0: Well, at this moment, I want to introduce our teaching pastor this morning. Randy, come on up. Randy Youngling will be giving our message this morning. Give it up for Randy. Hang hanging. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. It's a delight to be able to be here with you. Um, I got here last summer, some of you know, and uh, first of all, I better make this clear. I'm not Jeff Wells. Uh, just in case you're here to to see Jeff. Uh, Obviously, I'm not Jeff, although Jeff and I have known each other since 1972. Um, We go back a long way. But um, I came here last July, and we have been talking ever since I got here uh, about the importance of the significance of disciple-making, of disciple-making. So today, what I hope to do is I hope to take a few minutes of your time to do something I think is very important. And that is, number one, I want to go to the scripture and look at God's word to see what does Jesus say a disciple is. There's a lot of confusion, I think, about that. We use that term a lot. We talk about it a lot. But let's see if we can't come up with a clear and compelling biblical definition and description of what a disciple truly is. The second thing I hope to do is I hope that we can all get on the same page so that if you're out in the community anywhere, uh, at the grocery store, riding your bike, at the gym, uh, with your kids, uh, sports teams, wherever you might be, What I hope you'll be able to do, if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I understand you go to Wood's Edge, and I also have heard that you all are about making disciples. What is a disciple anyway? If we were to take a poll today, we would probably come up with a lot of very good explanations and definitions of that. But what I hope to do is be able to clarify... Some of those notions this morning so that if any of us were to have a conversation with anyone else, we could give a biblical understanding and definition of what a disciple is. That's my hope today. Um, There are many of you who are here, are special guests. Uh, You have come with friends and, and we're so glad that you're here. I've met several of them. But there's one particular uh, young man, I'll call him Young, uh, that I would like to introduce to you this morning. Um, he is a, a friend of mine. We've, we've known each other since the early 80s. I was actually his young life leader uh, all those years ago. And for the last three years uh, prior to moving here, I was serving in a ministry in Kentucky uh, where I was the dean of education and counseling for a men's residential drug and alcohol rehab center. And during those three years, uh, this friend of mine and I were on the phone together or on Skype every Tuesday night. Uh, We prayed together, we shared our lives together, we studied scripture together, we read books together. And now I get to be a lot closer to him, and I am the richer for it. Uh, we don't do this often here, but I really would like for you to welcome my good friend Chris Oakes. Chris, would you please just raise your hand? There's Chris. And his, this will endear him to many of your hearts. He's also an Aggie, but um, yes, more applause. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is here indwelling us, empowering us, and we look to your Spirit to be our teacher this morning. We want so badly to be able to not only understand your Word, but to live it moment by moment and day by day. So Father, we ask now that you find us attentive, that we open our hearts to you our ears to you, our spirits to you, and that we receive from you your word for us today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts all together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We want to look today at the words of Jesus in describing and explaining a disciple. In this passage, you will notice that Jesus has uh, encountered these fishermen. And it's important to know that this is not the first time that he has encountered them. In fact, prior to this meeting of Jesus with these fishermen... We read in Luke chapter 5 that he did something extraordinary that got their attention. He actually allowed them to catch a significant number of fish, two boatloads to be exact, in a very supernatural way, such that the Apostle Peter responded by saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He was so overwhelmed by the person of Christ That he recognized his inability to, to be in his presence. And yet, in his presence he was. And Jesus calls to his disciples in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he says this, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now I want to suggest that in that one verse... We have a beautifully biblical picture, description, definition of a disciple. What a disciple is, who a disciple is. First of all, we need to recognize that from Jesus' perspective, a disciple is someone who is following him. He's following him. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Come is the invitation follow me. Follow me. This is an invitation that Jesus gives into a life of relationship with him. He beckons us into a relationship. The way we like to say it these days is he invites us to do life together with him, experiencing all of life. By the way, The word translated disciple simply means a student learner. A student learner. That's what a disciple is. And that word translated disciple is used almost 270 times in the New Testament. On the other hand, the word Christian is used three times. Three times. There's a reason for that, and Christian isn't a a bad designation or an erroneous word. However, I think the point is that Jesus is saying exactly what we're saying here, or we're saying what he's saying, is saying we need to be about making disciples, making disciples. Christ's invitation is to a life of shared life with him and with others. In Mark chapter 3, we're told this, that he also took those who were his disciples and he selected 12 that he named apostles. Apostles is just a word that means someone who is sent out. In many ways, all of us are apostles. We are sent ones into the world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you into the world. So we are the sent ones. He said, as he selected them, it says that he also named them that they might be with him. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Don't rush by that too quickly. The importance of that one little preposition is so significant. Because the point is, Jesus called these men, as he calls us, to be with him. To be in relationship with him. To spend our lives experiencing all of our lives with Jesus. Christ calls us to be with him. This is precisely what we see happening as we read through the Gospels in the New Testament. The call to follow him is an invitation to be with him, to experience all of life together. This is a a challenge for some of us because we live in a culture that tends to be very compartmentalizing. In other words, we think that Jesus is interested in this spiritual part of our life and our business life and our family life and our recreational life and our financial life and our hobby life those really don't connect with Jesus. But in fact, you know, many of you, as well as I do, that Jesus isn't just interested in your spiritual life. He's interested in your life. And all of your life is spiritual, regardless of what it might look like, regardless of whether it's at home or at school or at work or wherever we might be. Jesus is interested in all of our life and experiencing all of our life together with us. That's what it means to follow him. As they followed Jesus, as they shared life together, they witnessed Jesus doing the miraculous. They witnessed him walking on water, calming storms, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, healing others feeding thousands with a little basket of food. They saw him do the miraculous. They also observed him in the mundane. They watched him as he walked crisscrossing in the roads of Galilee and Samaria and Judea. They watched him get hungry and eat. They watched him thirst and drink. They watched him bone tired and rest. They watched him withdraw into the wilderness to pray to be alone with the Father. They observed everything about him. The disciples, as they did, gradually began to realize that there was something unusual and unique about this man who had gone out of his way to select them, to choose them to do life together with them. And they came to recognize that he was the one who was deserving of being their leader, who deserved to be their master. To be disciples, we begin by realizing who Jesus really is. In fact, you probably remember the story. It's recounted several times in the Gospel. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, the way I like to see it in sort of my uh, quasi-sanctified imagination is Jesus and the gang are sitting around a campfire at night. Maybe they're roasting fish, I don't know, maybe they're uh, just bone-tired from a long day. And Jesus turns to them and he says, who do the people say that I am? And they give several suggestions, oh, one of the prophets, Elijah. And then he probes a little more deeply and he says, that's great, but you, who do you say that I am? That's the question of the hour, of the day, of our entire life. Who is Jesus to us? And we don't only answer that question once, we answer it repeatedly, day in and day out. We get up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, we ask ourselves, who is this one who came to give his life that I might have life? Who is he? Jesus said, come and follow me. A follower of Jesus is one who knows Jesus, recognizes who he is, and is willing to begin the process of releasing our lives under his control, coming under his lordship, his leadership, in our lives, to follow Christ is to trust that He knows where He's going and He knows how to get there, and wherever that is, it's the best place for us to go. That's one who follows Him, and that there's no one else more worthy of my trust, of my love, of my obedience. In John chapter 14, uh, we get to see this a little more clearly. Remembering this was on that night in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus had just given them a new commandment a chapter earlier. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, love one another. And then in John 14, he says, if anyone loves me, He will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And as the bard reminds us, Aye, there's the rub. There's the rub. You had to bring up obedience, didn't you? Yes. Because love and trust leads to obedience. Love and trust leads to obedience. If I could speak very frankly and very honestly with you this morning, I'd have to say that there are any number of reasons why we stumble over this so much, why I stumble over this. This idea of relinquishing my life to the control of someone else. Because when life goes along fairly smoothly, things are great, my back isn't hurting, um, my car's running well, um, I'm satisfied at work, the bills are paid, everything's well in my relationships, then my tendency is to think, look, God, I'm doing pretty well. I've, I've sort of got this under control. And I'm cruising along. And then, life hits me square in the face, just like it does you. Just like it does you. I had lunch Sunday ago with a young couple that were in the first service. I didn't tell this story then, but I want to tell it because it's very poignant. We were sitting around talking and this young man was, was telling me about how he feels like everyone at Wood's Edge is so normal. And, and I thought, w- w- what does that really mean, normal? He said, you know, I was brought up, and then he'd sort of describe a very rough upbringing, uh, introduced to drugs and alcohol at a very young age, uh, very, very difficult life. To which I said, oh, that's all you got? (laughs) Not to demean his experience, but then I wanted to give him a few snapshots from my life. And here's what I told him. When life hits you square in the face, when you're raised in an alcoholic home, when you discover that your daughter suffers from eating disorder, when you recognize that your son is struggling with obsessive-compulsive disorder tendencies, when you lose twin boys at 25 weeks of pregnancy, when you go through a very heart-wrenching, humiliating, life-transforming divorce, when your 33-year-old daughter calls and says, "'Dad, I have cancer.'" your parents die in your arms 16 months apart. Your grandson is identified as borderline autistic. When we receive those blows, we're reminded that we don't have it all together. We're reminded that there is one that we need who is far greater than we are. We're reminded that While I try to make sense of my life, I always make a mess of it. Some brought on myself, others brought on by life. And as a result, I need to follow someone who knows where he's going and how to get there. And that where he's taking me is far, far, infinitely far better than any place I could ever dream of myself. And part of that is the journey in and through our kingdom life work here on this earth and the meaning that we derive from that. So following Christ means that we come to believe and we come to trust that he is capable of and eager, eager, To lead us through life. As Christ revealed the truth of who he was. The people that he confronted in the Bible days. They had a choice to make. They could choose to follow him or not follow him. You and I have that same choice today. As we look at this definition of a disciple. We're invited to hold it up as a mirror to ourselves. And say to ourselves, who am I following? Who am I following? Who am I serving? Because another bard of a much more contemporary nature than Shakespeare, the great theologian from the Summer of Love, Bob Dylan, put it like this. You've got to serve somebody. You've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. Who are we serving? Who am I serving? As I hold this lens up to myself, I I wonder some days, you know, if, in fact, I am following with as much passion and much desire and much enthusiasm as I could. So our first part of a description of a disciple is one who knows Jesus... And recognizing him for who he is, is choosing moment by moment, day by day to follow him. By the way, those are choices that aren't just made one time. I don't make a a decision and drive a stake in the ground and say, okay, I'm following Jesus from now on. I may do that and there's nothing wrong with that. But the important thing is to realize that I have the opportunity day in and day out to make the choice, who am I going to follow? Today, this moment, this decision, this relationship, this conversation, where am I going to follow Jesus into those things? So, number one, a disciple is someone who knows Jesus and is following him as their leader, their Lord, their master. Number two, five little words from Matthew 4, 19. Five little words. Jesus says, come, follow me And I will make you. I will make you, Jesus says. In the adventure of following Jesus Christ in this earth, we begin to experience Jesus' intention for us, and he tells us in those five little words what it is. He purposes to change us. To change us from the inside out. We've gotten all too comfortable, I'm afraid, sometimes by thinking, well, we've got this person in the kingdom. Now we can sort of relax. But no, once a person enters into the kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line. And the starting line is the start of a race during which Jesus purposes to change us to become progressively more and more like him. He said, I am going to make you into something, someone that you currently are not. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of those fishermen all those years ago and recognize that he was taking them just as they were. They were nothing special. In fact, many would suggest and argue that that fishermen were, were some of the lowest on the socioeconomic and status level in their day. He took them, even though the other religious leaders of the day walked right by them and didn't even notice them. He took them as they were. That's the point. But Christ called them into a relationship with Him, in which He would lead them, and they would follow. And He made it clear that He intended to shape them in the process to become more like Himself. That's a, that's a disciple. Someone who is following Jesus and is entered into this process of being changed from the inside out to become more like Jesus Christ. One of our um, f- favorite verses um, is Romans 8.28, isn't it? I mean, many of us are familiar with that verse. It's a comforting verse. It's an encouraging verse. And it says simply this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We remind ourselves of that when we're going through those seasons of life, many of which that I described about my life. And I wonder, God, you you work those for good in the midst of the storm, oftentimes we just don't see that. We don't experience that. But ironically enough, we stop reading the passage there and we forget verse 29 that goes right on and says For those God foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know what the good is? That verse tells us. The good that God is working in our lives, regardless of the circumstances of our lives, the good that he's working in our life is to conform us to become more like Jesus Christ. That's an aha moment for some of us. It was for me. That's the good. The good isn't in the, the pain, necessarily. Only insofar as God leverages that pain in our life to make us more like Christ. That's a disciple. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the same Apostle Paul gives us a little more insight into this process of being changed from the inside out. He writes this, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are what? Are being transformed into his likeness, the likeness of Christ. With ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Ever increasing glory. Our good old theological term for that you know sanctification, becoming more and more, little by little, day by day, painfully slow in many times in our life to become more like Jesus Christ. That's what he's up to in your life and mine. And that's who a disciple is. A disciple is one who recognizes that. God accepts us just as we are, right where we are, Just as he did his first followers. But listen, he loves us too much to leave us that way. He's going to bring us through a process of life change and life transformation. This is certainly the biblical pattern. Whenever we see women or men uh, basically leaving their nets behind, so to speak, and following Jesus Christ, their lives are never the same. Ever. Christ gave his first disciples his words as a shaping agent. We now have his word as an agent of of shaping our lives. And then Jesus said that he was going to send to those first uh, disciples his Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit, the great internal change agent that uses God's Word, uses people in our lives, uses circumstances and situations to transform us from the inside out. And that's what a disciple is. The true evidence of change that a disciple experiences is the internal Gradual change of character that are reflected in, for instance, Galatians 5, and 23, in the fruit of the Spirit. If you're looking for evidence, am I growing, am I changing, these are the characteristics and qualities that we need to be looking at and saying, am I becoming more loving? Am I living more at peace with others? Am I more patient? Am I filled with with joy and kindness at least some of the time? (laughs) Am I making progress in those very qualities? As a result of these changes in us, God uses us to model change for others. To help us make and train other disciples. We've talked about the head The head has to do with the choices that we make to follow Jesus Christ, to know Christ. Now we talk about the heart. A disciple is one whose heart is being transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop stop with the head and the heart. He goes on to our hands. There's one final piece of our description of a disciple that is essential. Back to our passage, Matthew four nineteen. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Remember, he was talking to a group of fishermen when he said this, right? And in his conversation, he explained to them, you're no longer going to be fishermen after fish. You're going to fish for people. You're going to fish for people. That's the mission. That's the cause of Jesus Christ people, you and me and everyone we know. And he told them that as you follow me, as you invest time with me, as you get to know me more fully and more completely, what you are going to experience is your heart is going to be swept away after the very things that sweeps my heart away. You're going to be so impassioned to see other people come to know Jesus Christ and come to follow him, be changed by him, and become disciple makers themselves. That's what a disciple is. Christ told his very first disciples that they would join him on his kingdom mission to reach every people group and make disciples who would make disciples. And so we end with that great passage that we know of, and we've talked about, and we've heard the Great Commission. The Great Commission of Jesus Christ that says simply this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, King James, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we are going, disciples make disciples. So what's a disciple? Who's a disciple? A disciple is one who is knowing and following Jesus Christ as their head, as their master, as their leader. They're one who is intentionally entering into this life process of change from the inside out to become more like Christ. And a disciple is one who has engaged and embraced the mission of Jesus Christ to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So as we close our time together this morning, ask yourself, What do I see as I look into that mirror? What does my reflection reveal to me about who I am? About who Jesus is to me? Some of us, maybe for the very first time, are recognizing a need to come to Christ, to accept and trust and come to love Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord after we sing and celebrate communion, there will be those here in the front who will be available to pray with you and speak with you. There will be those who, if you're struggling through a season of life that, that God has you in right now, that is being used by God to transform your life, come and pray. Come and bring it to the Lord. And then looking around, ask yourself, who in my world has God identified as one to go to, to make a disciple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your model. We thank you that you have not left us guessing as to who or what a disciple might be, that you have not left us guessing even how to evaluate ourselves, how to assess where we are with you, We thank you that we've been reminded this morning that you love us as we are right where we are. And we thank you for that. And Father, we are humbled to know that you love us so much that you have come to indwell us through your Holy Spirit and to transform and change our lives from the inside out.